Good morning and welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon here with Plum Island Lou. <laughs> How do you like that one? You just put your game face on. I did. Yeah. Why did I do that? Because that's what you do. I do. Yeah. Did I not have my game face on before I aired? No, we were just, uh, you know, show prep. <laughs> <laughs> show prep. Oh, that's what we're going to call that. That's okay. what we're going to call show prep. That. Show prep. Well, I'm having an eye drainage issue. Not that anyone needs to know, but okay. It's hot as balls. As I said, when I came in today, <laughs> I know that's a gross image, but nonetheless, it is so freaking hot out and I have allergies again. Ah, it's endless. It's gotten worse as I've gotten older. Yeah. Is it, the, is this a bad time of year or just a bad time? Or When have I, when do I not come in here and have a problem? That's true. But this started prior to coming in. That's the how show prep. <laughs> so I think it's the cats. I think it's because I'm sitting in the air conditioning at home and then I'm with the cats and because we can't open up the doors and the windows to air it out. How come people with allergies love cats? I don't understand this. I would rather die than not have a cat. Yeah. I'd rather have the allergies than not have a cat. It seems like a symptom of allergies. Have you not seen my five cats? They're yeah. amazing. Oh, I don't understand sacrifice that's like saying like i'm allergic to my kids but i'll keep them anyway same thing <laughs> not really we really it truly is because <laughs> your, your cats are voluntary i chose them and that's the way it is yeah i'm a good mother it's fine yeah right. it's admirable <laughs> just seems that everyone with allergies just adores cats for some reason everyone with allergies adores or adores the dog too and they keep their dogs but dog, dog lover. Dogs don't trigger allergies, do yes, they? Yes, they do. Oh, you're so full of it. What? Dogs give people allergies. Have you lost your mind? <laughs> if I pet a husky, if I pet your dog, if I'd I had be a like, dollar for every time someone asked me that. Oh, for please. Anyway, moving along. Good topic today because we're going to talk about toxic relationships. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but that's not where we're starting first because, first of all, last week, thank you so much to Amy mm. for coming in for Fitness Together and talking about nutrition and wellness and health and and her business and her entrepreneurship and all those things because I've been trying to you know keep on a theme of different types of um, businesses and people in business and women in business and so on and so forth. So um, she's an amazing person and the company's great and her life in general is out there in the world helping the community, making people better and their better selves, just like Michelle a couple weeks prior. Yep. Um, and really quickly, Michelle will be, I was just on the phone with Michelle texting this morning and um, we'll be doing two more shows together. One in August mm -hmm. coming live from, she calls it a, in a beautiful place in Maine. So we'll be live. Oh, podcasting. She'll be in Maine? Huh? Oh, you'll both be in Maine. That's right. We're going to, yeah. we're going to meet in Maine together and we're going to podcast from Maine. So make sure you get that ready. Lou. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have a, a very nice place to come from. And then, um, and then we're going to do another one in October. So she'll be back on to talk about all things wellness and health and, and living your best life and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. So, Excellent. so those are coming and I'll hopefully have a couple more people in the shoot coming as well as you know. Um, but because I didn't get a chance to go back and do my experience from the weekend of my race. Oh yeah. I have to go back because, you know, I have to keep everyone up to date because people were like, what happened? Where'd you go? What? Yeah. Um, so First of all, the Loon Mountain Race, to recap, is a very difficult race. It's yeah. one of the hardest mountain. It, it is. Well, they say it's the hardest mountain race in the country. I don't know about that, but it's certainly hard. Yeah. Um, and it was the best weather 
of I've ever had for it. Usually it's like it is today for heat. Yep. And um, it wasn't. It was a nice 65, 70, beautiful sun, but not like blazing yeah. down on you because it's all open except for this one little section on the mountain because beaming down on you. Um, I cannot say that this race is even remotely easy at all, at all. No. And it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a lot. But it's a wonderful race, and it was fun. It was great. It was a great weekend. Probably the best extended three days of weather I've had here in forever in terms of it not being like this today. Because this is great. But oh, It makes God. me question people, actually. You what? It makes me question people. Why? It, people going, I'm going to go run up a mountain in July in New Hampshire. That doesn't sound like a good time. Well, it was. <laughs> it was. It's so you had much a good fun. Time? Yeah. And last year, there were so few people, obviously, because people were coming up for the pandemic. But this year, oh, it was loaded with people. And it was like, you know, because if you are from the Northeast and you have a chance to go up to Loon Mountain, I'm going to do a plug for them, which I never get paid for. I kind of worked on this. <laughs> you need to work on this nice. for me to get paid for this. Listen, but Loon Mountain. If and I could that, sell, my career would be entirely different than it is right now. <laughs> that that whole place up there, they it's, you know, the whole mountain biking industry. And I don't know if you know this, but the whole summer mountain biking industry up here in the Northeast has turned all the mountain areas up here into a full year event so when you're not skiing you're running trail races and big mountain races mm -hmm. and you're doing these bicycle treks that they've built these huge paths through the mountain paths and which you can walk around while they're doing the biking it's very cool and it's a i mean i've been to killington in the past couple of weeks and cannon mountain and Tulum, and all of those mountains have these terrains <laughs> and i imagine most of the other ones too but it's packed all the time and it's great. And I, I mean, I personally think it's wildly dangerous, but it's exciting to watch. And yeah. I hate biking, as you know, so you'll never catch me on a bike. But um, why? What's the story with biking? I, I thought I told you this story. I'm not sure. Well, I'll come back to that story okay. shortly. Um, it's related to growing up in toxic relationships. <laughs> so I'll tie it okay, in. Okay, great. Um, so going uh, back to childhood trauma. It, exactly. Yeah. It was very traumatic. Yeah. Um, so, but nonetheless, the race was great. The weekend was beautiful. It was so wonderful and relaxing and other things in business. And it was, you know, a nice tie. And you know how I don't ever just go and do something for just relaxation. It's always tied up in other things. Yes. But nonetheless, I know I've said that a whole bunch. Um, John, who is my husband, mm -hmm. we thought, he thought, let's go hike a mountain the day after, which is normal for us. But we usually try to pick, you know just a calm mountain and just kind of hang in there and just slag along and do it. Right. Yes. Cause it's easy for me and for him and I was fine. And so if you are not from the Northeast and you don't know about like all the 4,000 footer club yeah. people like you, you, you have to go and, if you want to be a 4,000 footer club member, you have to be hiking consistently over X amount of time to collect all 48 mountains that are 4,000 feet and above, yeah. which we're working on. Um, I shouldn't have been working on it on that day after this race on this particular mountain, which okay. I will never do this mountain again. I say that, but I probably will. But here's the reason why. So we went to Cannon Mountain. Okay. Cannon Mountain is one of the steepest terrain ski areas in the Northeast. I think it has, I, I'm sure I'm misquoting this and someone can correct me, um, but it is the steepest uh, trail that goes under this huge gondola. 
so John and I were like, let's let's just you is that know, up in Lincoln. Is you what? Is that up in Lincoln? It's just past. It's up in the notch. So okay. go past exit oh, okay. thirty-two. All right. Go past. So it's just a little north of. It's what's like the 15, one across the street from our place? Minutes. It's is that next Cranmore? to Lafayette. Oh. It's next to Lafayette. Okay. Like right in the presidential range. What's so the one across the street? Everyone is listening. Is like, what is she talking about? What's the one across the street from our favorite place there? Is that Cannon? That's Lin No, that's Loon. Oh, that's Loon. Okay. Wow. I'm not a skier. That's the one I race. Anymore. The right. Loon Mountain yeah. Race. The one right across the street. I that rolled out of bed and ran up the does mountain. Does not look like fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Cannon's just up the road. So anyway, so we, you know, it's fine. It's a normal mountain, whatever, but it's really steep. So yeah. So I will pass the the longer version, but the shorter, longer version is that you could come down this one way. The guy was like, when you come down, go to this place called Lonesome Lake, which is one of our favorite hikes to go into and go out of from the base. Mm -hmm. And we we're like, ah. if you did that, you have to come back up and then go back all the way down to go to the parking lot where we parked. So I was like, I don't want to do that. I'd rather because my legs. Right. Yep. I'm like, we'll just do cannon. I'd rather do Mount Washington twice in one day. <laughs> Mount Washington, by the way, is the tallest mountain in the ranges up here. It's like 6,800 feet or something like that. It is hard. It's dangerous. More people die on Mount mm -hmm. Washington hiking and skiing on a yearly basis than anywhere else. And we hike it frequently. And I've never died. But people die of crazy things, just an aside. Like yep. they they take pictures and they fall over the edge taking a picture. That's one of the top ones yep. that, that makes the list of, of the wall up there, how they died. And there's a wall that says how they died, taking a photo, taking a selfie yep. over the cliff, right? Ugh, right. So um, but I'd rather do that mountain twice than do cannon. Because first of all, cannon is all rock and straight down scramble. Yeah. And um Thank God I have amazing shoes hmm. and great quads and great calves. Um, was not helpful for my foot, but nonetheless, I still did it. So here's the here's the story that is the funny part. And hopefully John's listening. If John were telling the story, you'd have a very funnier version of this. But I am <laughs> not a John storyteller. But when I hear him tell it, I just want to pee my pants because it's so true. So I'm always ahead of John going up and down a mountain. Sure. Like always. Yep. And Sometimes really far ahead and sometimes, you know, I stay in earshot, but, you know, this time when we're coming down, he was a good, uh, he was a distance away. Yeah. And I hear him yell to me. And now we're, there's hardly anyone around because clearly it dawns on me while we're on this mountain, no one's doing this because it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I hear him say, hey, I'm taking two. So he's going to take two minutes because it's hard yep. and he's just taking a break. And I'm like, that's okay. And now it's a 2.2 mile hike down. We're a mile away. I'm a mile away at that point from the down. And I say, okay, I'm going to keep going. He goes, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So yep. that roughly took me about 23 minutes to finish. And I scrambled, like I scrambled down fast. I like, I ran and I just, cause I wanted over. Cause it was yep. just so, it was just straight down. It was so steep. I can't even describe it. It was like worse than the loon. And it was all rock. And I was like, I'm going to die. You know, and I, and I actually had the WTF moment cursing at John going, why did I listen to him to do this yeah. mountain? <laughs> anyway, so I'm out of the mountain. I get out of the trailhead and I'm like, oh, he'll be like five, 10 minutes behind me. Nothing. Uh oh, 20 minutes passes. I'm trying to find him on the track or on the mountain, on the all trails. Nothing. 
finally about 20 something minutes after I've down and I'm like waiting for him at the trailhead, I get a text. I have fallen. Oh no. And I'm like, Oh great. And I thought I was kidding. Yeah. You know, so, but now you got to go back up. So, well, <laughs> in my, so now I'm on fire and my quads are on fire and I'm like, Argh. so I go back into the, I go back into the trailhead and I'm looking and I'm looking up going, Oh God, straight <laughs> up. And I'm thinking, where is he? Because he should be close to down Yep. at this juncture. And so on the tracker, though, he looks so far, like he doesn't look anywhere in my vicinity. But, you know, on those trackers, all you see is like green and mountain. And I don't know if you've ever looked at it and you're like, oh, I don't know where he is. Yeah. But in my head, as a weird moment, you know, if you've ever seen Northwood's Law, it's kind of like it's I like love that, Northwood's it's Law. that awesome show up here. Yeah. It's like I was like, oh, this is going to be my opportunity to make Northwood's Law because I know how much <laughs> of the guys I can call and be like, hey, by the way, John's stuck on the mountain. Yeah. But I didn't do that. Anyway, so almost 35, 40 minutes passes. And I'm like, Oh no, there's something really wrong. Right. Yeah. And I'm like walking around. I'm looking from side to side. The mountain's big. He finally calls me. He's like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm at the trailhead. Where are you? He's like, I'm in the parking lot. Mind you, I had to wait for him anyways. Cause right before we started to climb down, I gave him the keys to the car, Oh God. the water <laughs> and the credit card oh, no. and all my cash. So I had nothing and so, yeah, so for the better part of 40 minutes, I'm <laughs> waiting for him. So, of course, I think it's funny and he thinks I'm going to be mad, which I was not. But I was, you know, but yep. I didn't really think he fell. I'm walking up to him in the parking lot, Lou, and he is covered from head to toe in what looks like he must have hit every tree, every branch, <laughs> every rock, every <laughs> every mud bottle. I mean, so he fell big time. I think he bounced. <laughs> He's going to kill me. But see, this is what happens when, you know, your husbands are, you get injured. Like, I just can't help it. I mean, he yeah. wasn't hurt, so I can laugh. Yeah. But it, the, the visual on this was like, oh, my God. Um, and not only that happened, but he he cracked his phone case. Oh, no. Um, it was just the, the screen protector. But he was so mad. And, and so he was covered. And, um, and he ended up coming out on the opposite side of the mountain where i came out where the trailhead is i have no idea what happened oh, that had to be one hell of a fall around <laughs> and he ended up coming out in somebody's backyard <laughs> well so i had to laugh because i'm like okay navy man with your compass <laughs> yeah that you were always with so anyway after that little experience yeah. he's like he actually said do you want to go hike more and i was like have you lost your mind because <laughs> it was only at that time like noon and we've already established that we've had a crash and burn. Yeah. and i'm yeah. like i'm out <laughs> like i just want to go sit by the river and you know have you know some sun so it was very funny and um yeah i was very sore for three days after that because my quads <laughs> were engaged heavily in yeah. that in that little walk so cannon mountain for people that live in the northeast stay away from it. um you are happily <laughs> able to do it and don't invite me because <laughs> i i added it to my list check it's done and i'm on Wouldn't someone's you, trying to come into our lovely studio yeah, someone's trying to come into our lovely studio did you lock the door uh, accidentally maybe oh, I, didn't, I didn't mean to well good <laughs> keep them from coming in <laughs> um so anyway so it was very entertaining and um Nonetheless, it was fun, but it was a funny event. And John, John describing his tumbling <laughs> down the hill and explaining the different branches and debris on him oh, is God. quite funny. So yeah. at some point, at some point, I'll have him tell you the story. But I'd love some video on that, Paul. 
<laughs> I, yeah, but I wasn't there. So yeah. it was, you know, and I'm so glad that I wasn't there because <laughs> I'm just glad I wasn't there. And I'm also glad that I actually decided not to go back up into. First of all, you'd have freaked out. Secondly, you laughed your ass off at him. So yes. it, that wouldn't have helped the situation at right. all. Right. <laughs> it would have been very bad. So oh, why by did the you way, get... and I saw a bear oh, did as I was coming down by myself. A bear was walking, you know, like paralleling me for a little bit. And everyone's like, oh, my God, aren't you? Weren't you scared? Nope, not of the bear we have up here. Nope. No. If I was out in Montana, yeah, that would have been different. A little grizzly, but we don't have that issue here. And the fact that, by the way, not for nothing, my my lovely area of my neighborhood, we've had multiple reports of bear, and I have not seen them yet this year. But they are all over my area of town. Huh. So, brown bears, right? Huh? Brown bears, right? Yeah, brown. Yeah. They're not particularly they're aggressive. Cute. Nope. No. They're not gonna. They don't. They just don't do that. Yeah. They're looking for food. That's it. You know, very sweet. They'll, they'll have little cubs right now. So if you're always ahead of John, why did you hand him all the stuff? Well, I didn't think it was going to be like that much distance between us. Yeah. I thought, it, you know, I mean, it's kind of like I just didn't want to have it all hanging on me. So do you normally do this or? I usually don't hand everything away. Yeah. <laughs> I usually don't hand it all, but I could tell that it was going to be a problem in terms of hiking and he had a backpack yeah. and he would sit here and say, she doesn't carry a backpack because she's a princess. So I carry it for her. <laughs> so now that's what he would say. So I'm just that's outing myself right yeah. now because he carries, he's, he calls himself the Sherpa yep. and he carries everything. That's why he got, he was a cabana boy when I first met him. And then when he married me, I oh, said, I you're a cabana man. Mm -hmm. So he <laughs> graduated. Yep. These are all his jokes that I'm giving and I'm fine with that. So, but I stupidly, I will never do that again. The backpack may have contributed to the fall. What was in the backpack? No, that is not. Oh, try to blame it on me. No, See, I'm not trying to blame good, it on you. This will be a good segue into toxic relationships. Blaming. Not blaming to, the other person. I'm not trying to blame it on you at all. Mm -hmm. Just doing forensics on the accident. Forensics. Yeah. Yeah, my really lightweight little card and my and my teeny little car key definitely overweighted. No, the backpack. Just, no. What was in the backpack? The backpack is teeny. It's just got okay. like two waters in it and... In his compass and in his, you know, first aid gear. <laughs> had band aids. It always has band aids and tape, yeah. scissors, a knife, you know, that kind of stuff. No poison ivy, I take it. No. Okay, good. No, but I've decided that I won't be doing that again like that. I will be carrying my, I'll usually carry like some of that stuff. But so I did carry my phone. And if you're looking, I also hit rocks on the way down uh -huh. because it was so steep and I cracked my phone screen. And I just had the phone screen replaced three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. And yeah. so did he. We both did our, it's the screen protector. Yep. I have to go back and do it again because there it is all messed up again because I whacked it. Because yep. when you're jumping, I had to jump off rocks to get down further. It would smack against the pointed edges of the <laughs> death rocks that I was yep. climbing on. I smashed so my I, screen too. In, in favor of my friend, Eric, in Sweden, I literally had to do some parkour moves to get off this mountain. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, well, so that was my story. So it was, it was a great weekend. That was the, that was the <laughs> bottom line. It was super healthy. I did feel good afterwards, but you know, I had to be careful with the storytelling because, yep. you know, it was at the expense of crash test, John. <laughs> 
It's been one hell of a fall. I just wish I had a picture of yeah. him because it was awesome. But hey, we have to be able to laugh. And he laughs now about it, but he wasn't yeah. happy. He was just worried I was mad at him. Of course, blaming me, you know. That's what it's not do. blaming you. That's worried about you me. being he said angry that he about was it. He's all worried that I was going to be mad. So he had a rush and he fell. Oh, please. Oh. <laughs> was that See? unrealistic on his part? Yes. Yeah. Because he always thinks I'm going to be mad. You were a little upset while you were waiting for him. You described no, I was worried. You described it in your story. You, you were worried at the half hour point. Right. You were distressed at the 20 minute point. Yes. A little upset. Well, I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, where are you? Like, you weren't that far behind me. You stopped to pee. I mean, imagine that's what he did. That was his two minutes. I'm so that's sure. what occurred to me, too. That's what he did. I'm sure yeah. that's what he did. Yep. I mean, there were little kids doing this. As we were coming down, there was like a six-year-old going up. And I was like, oh, good Lord, this poor girl. Yeah. She doesn't know what she's in for. Sorry, they're pliable. And dad was like, this is her 11th 4,000 4, footer. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh my God. They wow. were doing, they're doing 48. And they'd already done one the day before. I was like, good Lord. Yeah. So good for them. I love seeing, oh, by the way, there's a, there's a good partial segue. I love the fact that there's so many families out there hiking these mountains that mm. you wouldn't think that, you know, you kind of look at people sometimes, you go, oh, they would never do that. And yep. you see those, you, they, you would think would never do that out on the mountains. Mind you, there was a family and two of the women in the group had flip-flops on doing this. That I don't recommend because no. you'll break your ankle because it, those mountains are not conducive for flip-flops. Yeah. And some of them still have snow on them. So, you know, just saying. Flip-flops are not your friend. But I do see women and sometimes men going into the woods with flip-flops on. And I'm like, this is not a good thing. It's just not But smart. a good pair of shoes yeah. that you have to wear on these mountains are anywhere from two to $500. So, you know, people don't want to do it or they don't realize. I think people don't realize like the man who died on Mount Washington couple of weeks back from here in the area he um he was an avid hiker but he wasn't prepared for the snow yeah. and he ended up having hypothermia and passed away before yeah. northwoods law got to him yeah so very sad um anyway also uh just so you know i'm going to be news person this morning uh -oh. yep. did you know that plum island where you reside is have don't go in the merrimack river right oh, now yeah because they're dumping raw sewage, apparently. Or there's, CSOs, yeah. There's all kinds of gross stuff, so be careful. Don't let your dog in there because it'll make you sick. Yeah, this one was a particularly bad one, too. Yes. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yep. So, okay. I was so wondering maybe... where more people die. More people die in Mount Washington than the Merrimack River. I'm going to say Mount Washington, but it's close. Well, Mount close. Washington's very dangerous. That's yeah. why I like to hike it. <laughs> the river's very dangerous, Does that make too, me apparently. strange that I like to hike the mountain that people die on? No. Hmm. No, everyone, a lot of people hike. Mount Washington. Uh, yeah. It's you gotta just be prepared. You cannot go hike any of those mountains up in this area. That's not like a little ski trail. Yeah. It's serious business. So if you you know, you need to bring water and food and hiking poles and sometimes repelling gear and whatever. And and quite frankly, if you're a hiker and when you're trying to be a hiker here and you wanna go out in the world and like do these things, don't bring your dog. People, I, okay, bring your dog if your dog is used to doing this. I can't tell you how many people I've had to stop and give my water to because they didn't bring any for the dog because they didn't realize or they didn't bring food or whatever. And the dog is like done yeah. and they can't finish. We've been on Mount Washington and we had to like help a, a, a team of people that had brought their very old dog with them up this incredibly hard mountain and the dog had given up and we had to help 
the dog the last two tenths of a mile, which is the hardest part of it. Yeah. And all these people rallied around to help. And then they were like, yeah, we're going to walk back down. I'm like, no, you're getting in the van and taking this dog back down. And, you know, me, I'm like, uh. Yeah. But I wasn't the only one, thank God. So a whole bunch of people said, I'll give up my seat to get, because you can drive down yeah. that road. And so people gave up their seat to have the dog go down the mountain. Yeah. <clears throat> instead of having this very old dog go down the mountain because he probably would have died. So, you know, if you don't have a young spry dog that is used to hiking a 4,000 foot mountain that takes five, six hours yeah. going up, let alone come down, that's not a place for your dog. Just saying. You know? What's the age appropriate level on this? How old was the girl that you said you just saw? Six. That's that's normal. Like having kids do it. Like, I mean, little, little, like you see a lot of people hiker with backpacks with little kids in it that are not walking. They're just having the kids. But six, seven years old, eight years old for that kind of mountain. I think the little girl that I saw on Canon was a little too young for that level. But because she was struggling. I only she was at the first half mile mark and she still had yeah the whole thing to go. And she hadn't even hit the bad stuff yet. And I didn't want to say anything. I'm like, oh, so what happens when the kid gives up? I mean. When, it, when a kid what? When the kid gives up. I mean, talk about the animal giving up. What happens when the kid says, I'm done? Um, then you got to lug him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound like fun either. I Hey, yeah. and the guy that, that I saw with that little girl had no backpack for that. Yeah. And she was a good-sized kid. Sure. You know? She was in shape, but she was not going to be, she's not somebody you could just carry. You, mm. This was not a mountain for carrying. Right. She had yeah. a backpack. Yep. Like a baby backpack. So, all right. So topic for the day, yes. even though <laughs> probably not the best, the best thing of me laughing at my husband for falling, probably not <laughs> nice. <laughs> See, I'm going to laugh. Okay. So talking about, you know, how two weeks ago or three weeks ago, we talked with Michelle and Michelle was talking about, you know, sandboxes. Yeah. And um, well, it struck a chord with a lot of people and, and how, um, yeah, that's such a great metaphor. And now people are using it for uh, for lots of different things when they describe it to me because they listen to the show or they come yeah. in and I've had a couple of people talk about like they've built themselves a sandbox since as a metaphor for <laughs> themselves, a legit sandbox and, yeah. um, and clearing out their sandbox and whatever. So, um, but talking about like toxic people or toxic relationships, I think is super important because um the pandemic has separated a lot of people from toxic relationships, yet it's also created a lot of toxic yeah. relationships because people have had to stay with people that are not so healthy. Um, but it's more about really talking about what are the nuances of understanding kind of the relationship you're in and what constitutes unhealthy, toxic behavior. Um, and maybe and maybe if we get to it, what, what you do about it. Yeah. I mean, that's always a good key. But um, it's about like kind of knowing, like identifying your sandbox. Like, so who's playing with you? Who's in your sandbox? Who are you holding court with? Who are you doing your things with? Who's your friendships? Yep. Who are they, you know, from little kids all the way up to adults? Like, and, and how are they impacting your life? You know, and um, because time is so of the essence. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting more and more of the mind, especially in the last couple of weeks of really time is so important that picking who is in my sandbox is so important yeah. instead of just allowing everyone to be in it and treating me any old way, um, you know, so I can use that as a personal reference. It's not okay. And so I think that um, picking wisely and detaching from uh 
toxicity is super important. Now, I already was of the mind of that, and that's really healthy in psychology anyways, is that you, you don't have to be part and participant to something. Right. Um, we're trained to have to say yes to things. We're trained to be obligatory. We're trained into these things where we put ourselves in situations where we feel like we can't get out. But that's just a thought process like we talk about. It's a thought that leads us to believe that if we don't do it, we're bad mm-hmm. or someone might not like us. Right. And you know what? At the end of the day, if someone doesn't like us because we set a boundary or because we don't allow someone to treat us poorly or we don't allow them to abuse us, I guess then they shouldn't be in your sandbox. Right. So, um, and I think a lot of, of, of people who come in for help in general in psychology are looking for how to, how to clear the sandbox. Cause it's often, you know, people who are around them, it's relationships, it's in business, it's family, mm-hmm. it's friendships and people who are impacting that person as either one individual or groups of individuals that are not healthy. So a whole family can impact you. That's not healthy. And you've got to like kind of push them aside and say, I'm taking a break or work friends or work members, you know, that are constantly at you saying like, come on over to the pool, come on over to the pool. Come on. Yeah. You're like, I don't want to come to your pool, you know, let alone yeah. your sandbox. Um, so it's about really understanding what constitutes a toxic relationship. So, so what do you think? Like just thinking about life, what do you think would constitute a toxic person in your life? Like a characteristic? Just negative all the time. Okay. Just, so, just, so someone who's negative. So yeah. someone who's really... like your social media feed. <laughs> <laughs> right to social media. No, well. Yes. So, so yeah. Everyone's familiar with that example. If you're a person in your life, that's like a social media feed and just always bringing you toxic stuff. Right. Yeah. So yes, so negative, so negativity in general can drain you. Mm -hmm. So let's take that, that step to, and it could, you and I could be fine together, but then you and I could go to someone else and we might feel like, oh, this is draining. If it feels draining to you, that's probably a flag to you to say, oh, too much negativity for me. Yeah. And being, there's one flag to say, this is probably either, you know, that doesn't mean you jump ship and abandon. It just means like note it to self that like, there's a lot of negative negativity. Right. And people who tend to be negative, negative, and that's a big broad term. Negative can in, include, you know, deceitful, exaggerating, lying, lying about you, lying to you about you, saying they never said anything that they did say, gaslighting, like all those things, right? All those kinds of things can lead to, I can't be around this because it puts me in a bad space, you know, personally, professionally, uh, spiritually, energetically, you know, it deflates you. It ends up paralyzing you. And what happens is it makes people super anxious and, and people don't, realize it because they're so used to being in it because it looks like, well, it's, it's who the person is. Well, but you don't have to be around that person. So, um, or those people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so negative or negativity is one characteristic. So what other things could we think of that would be, let me take that a little further too, because there are people who are, have issues and are depressed or battling things and they seem negative all the time. And that's one thing, but there are people who look to seek it out. There are people right. who live and who love to swim in that water that they're just not negative because things are happening to them. It's just they're 
It's where they like to be. They're negative to other people because it makes them feel better. They're, Great example. Yeah. So, and perfect and exactly on topic for today. Yeah. Differentiating a person who's depressed or has depressive features and is negative to oneself and turns inward on oneself. That's mm -hmm. what depression is. It's, yep. it's anger turned inward at self and they get down. That's contained. They might be negative, like, I don't want to do it. I call it Eeyoreing, you know, yeah. like, I don't want to do it. I just can't, you know, that's them. It's not really draining to you. It could be, but it's not really. But the example that you just used is really the hallmark. It's the person who's negative that is draining your cup to fill theirs. They, they are maneuvering or manipulative, which, you know, I hate that word, but that word really captures it for people who understand like the fact that negativity really is about that. I live in drama, create drama, create the chaos so that it continues to fill my cup up because yeah. if I don't have that, then I'm not happy, but it's drink. It's, it's, that's where I call it soul sucking. That's the person or people or the group of people you can't have in your sandbox because yeah. they are, or that one person is, um, replicating this over and over again and, to and it doesn't have to be enabling that doesn't have to be directed at you specifically it's just it they're, they're it looking just for around you yeah they're looking for chaos and conflict and and it's just confronting everything uh, yep confronting everything complaining about everything exaggerating about everything um uh lying about things um denying something that just happened in front of witnesses. That's a big one. Like it didn't happen that way. This isn't yep. really how it happened. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> There's so many examples. Trait um, number two. Yep. Uh, don't take their, don't take accountability for their own part and whatever's going on. Right. Always your fault. Exactly. So yep. turning it on. Uh, so yes, Ooh, look at you. You're like right on point today. So yes. So we take that first part and then it's a person who, when, so if you call it out, for yep. instance, so if I, as, as a person in psychology, call it out, I get a little bit different response because I'm in a different professional environment. If you call it out personally to person to person, you will tend to get what you just said is, yeah, but you, yeah, but you did this. Why are you, you being so dramatic? Right. You yeah. did this and you yeah. did that so that it deflects away from, because what happens is this is the old thing about ego if you're called out for your crap mm -hmm. by a friend or family member and it's too hard to take on your ego, you will immediately flip it around and find something, even if it's untrue, to point towards someone and say, yeah, but look at what you did. Because if you have, especially you have an audience, yep. and most people do, they find an audience to make sure there's at least one or two people around to hear it so that they feel validated and self-verified that, right. well, if I say it out loud, I'll at least have some ally that will be like, oh, well, did that happen? Did he do that? Did that actually happen? Right. Yep. Instead of it being like, well, you know, there's a credible person in the room that's healthy and saying like, that is not what happened or that is not going to be how I'm going to act. Um, and being able to step away. It's hard sometimes when you're being when you're in the midst of all that craziness, yeah. it's very hard to walk away sometimes when you're the negativity is over enveloping and no matter who it is and yeah. how, how old they are um, and they engage you and they pick at you, like they poke the bear um, and the disrespect because they so badly want to create the chaos because that's what they live in. Yeah. And without the chaos, they don't function right. 
So people often will say to me in my office, like, why would I do that though? I'm like, because that's what you know. If you go back and you look at your, your, your history is to get your way. It's a coping strategy to yep. get what you want, to get people to stop, to get people to give you, give in to, it's a way to just be like, Ugh, just take it. So you've learned that person or people have learned how to be super negative, super toxic and manipulative and gaslighting and all these other things to get you to do what they need. Yep. And that is really common in a lot of relationships. And I'm, when I talk, I'm not just talking like romantic partnerships, I'm talking about friendships yep. and professional relationships. This is super common. And that's why I said, since the Michelle's time with me, we were talking about it because we already knew this, but we've really talked about it more and more. And I'm like, oh my gosh, so many people were so touched by that um, show that they've commented so much on like, I got to clean out my sandbox yeah. because they realized that, oh my God, there's so much of this around me. Um, and go back to your social media. Just in the past three days, I've, well, I'll say the past four days, I've seen four or five examples of where I'd be like, wow, there is some crazy, insane stuff going on around stuff. So for instance, personal story, I'm on a regular feed that has to do with just like the area of a place that I go to in Florida that I love. Right. Mm -hmm. And I follow the feed because they have really cool stuff going on. They alert you to whatever. And occasionally that feed will throw in like an event that's going on that I don't like or yep. whatever. And people don't like. So of course, cause it's a general feed about the place. And so people didn't like the thing that was posted and some people thought it was great. And so, you know, people put up negative things about it. People put up positive things about it. And I just put up emoji that was the vomit. Emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't participate with words. I just went vomit. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, in the amount of, you know, it's just an opinion, right? No words, just like, ugh, yuck. Yep. The amount of flack from one person that came back because it clearly pushed her buttons. <laughs> and 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 she went after every, she, she must have gone through 400 people on this thing and went yep. after all of them. It wasn't just me. But my comment, instead of, I was thinking sandboxes, right? Because she's not my sandbox. She's just nobody yep. that I know. But my comment to her was when she said, you know, well, then if you don't like it, blah, blah, blah. She was nasty. I said, thank you for enlightening me. That's all I said, yeah. because it's not, I'm not going to fill up her cup, but I also wasn't going to just sit. And I could have just sat, but that one I had to, because she was so toxic and I wanted to make sure she understood that and she didn't. I mean, it fell no. flat on her because I know that these other people all responded to her too. when I watched and she was just, she just wanted to fight. Yep. So that yep. was a good example of, she was looking for the fight to fill up her cup because she found all the ones that disagreed with the post and went after all of yep. us. And I was like, wow. And pretty much nobody that was in the opposite camp, everyone did the same thing. Like, sorry, you feel that way. I'm entitled to my opinion. Like nobody really engaged the toxicity. Whereas in others things, I've seen some really whew, deep engagement and that's, and it's not worth it. Like, you know, we've talked about, social media has such a place where you hide behind the work, you hide behind the wall of this. Yeah. And, um, and people think that they can just say whatever they want, but mind you, when you say those things, people do go up and look your profile up then they attack oh, sure. you for stuff on your profile. Like, you know, yep. it's a fantastic social psychology experiment, which is why if you go to my page, my page is essentially my business page, right? I mean, 
I occasionally post up like some pictures from like my family events, or whatever, but, but that's kind of like, it's my life. I'm very open about that. Cause I don't have anything. I don't put specifics up, but it's nothing like, I don't talk about anything. It's puppy dogs and rainbows and kitty yep. cats. You know, it's not like anything big, but you get so many people that are out there looking for the engagement of the sandbox. That's toxic. Yeah. And so to your point, I think social media is part of the problem there. Um, I think a lot of people have disengaged a lot since the pandemic got so intense. I think a lot of people have disengaged back from that. I don't see it quite as often, but when I do, it's super intense. It inflames it inflames that need for people to say, look at that mess over there. I'm not so bad. Right. Well, but yes, because it's a, social, it's a social comparison point. I'll give you, you just brought up on social media. I'll give you number three. Okay, wait, really one quick. Yep. So that just so you know, I have um, a couple people texting me saying that they can't, that they don't see the show. I just wanted you to know that they are saying no show, but I know that some people can see it because I have people saying hi. Okay. So I just wanted you to know, I don't know if that's a technical issue and if we're not really live, but I just wanted you to know. I'll check while we're chatting. Okay. Um, so go ahead. You were saying your third point. Number three. Yes. Um, lack of ability to understand other that there's other perspectives than theirs. Right. People you cannot disagree with. Because right. it immediately turns personal. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You can't. Right. Oh you, my gosh. You can't have. I mean, the social media has exasperated this to a, a great degree. But you, you, there are people. People have different paths. People have different ideas. People live different ways. And by the way, they can be totally wrong. And it's okay. Just keep walking. Right. Right. But right. people can't live with that because when you disagree with them, it's a personal attack on them in their mind. So they turn it as a personal retaliation. So every disagreement becomes personal battle. Well, so that's a cycle. So it's a, that's a very prominent social, social psychological phenomenon that there are some people who are so entangled and enmeshed with their ego Right, mm -hmm. for lack of a better way of putting it, they're they're so wed to their own reality that they believe that their that their reality is everyone else's too. And when when challenged, I say loosely, when confronted or when and and not even like confronted like aggressively, like just being like I disagree, that disrupts the ego so much that the person becomes combative, mm -hmm. belligerent, mean toxic because they're like how could you not believe i mean yeah not getting into politics but just that's a great <laughs> one to, you know someone who believes that oh, well, see we politically disagree why we politically disagree to some degree we do yeah but but we, it's okay but right because we i think we respect that we respect each other's opinions and we also i think speaking of I think we also see validity in our opinions and also we know that there's more to us than just that. It's, that's just yeah. a topic. Whereas some people live and die on those things. Like, But your disagreement with me on an issue isn't, 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 isn't an attack on me. Right. But the psychological phenomenon of it is that if you're, if you're disagreeing with me, you're saying I'm bad. Right. Exactly. You're saying that right. I am wrong. I am stupid. I whatever. It's the person's narrative perceptually that goes on in their head that that triggers that. How dare you? I mean, I won't identify who they are in my life, but I have I'm guessing family members that very specifically 
you cannot have any conversation and disagree because immediately the fire, the, the, the scud missiles come. Yep. <laughs> and if you don't, and if you don't either submit or agree, it's game on and it's brutal. If I can work your job as an amateur for a second, I'm sure. guessing most of the time that's because they were invalidated as children yes. all the time, either siblings and or parents. Yes. No, you're wrong. You're an idiot. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and the feeling of inadequacy yep. and the need for that yep. environment to have the validation um, instead of having the security of like, I can have my opinion, you can have your opinion yep. and we can still be friends. Right. It's kind of like that thing where it's very similar to when I see people that can't get in their head that you can be mad at me and still love me. Yes. It's the same thing. Like That's the key point in a relationship, right. though, isn't it? That if you're having a disagreement, you know you're safe. Right. You're safe to have the disagreement. Right. Yeah. And, and also to our point, to your point about you and myself around some of those topics that we talk about, I know that when I walk out or you walk away, we're fine because we haven't mm -hmm. damaged the relationship because it's not a, it's not on our person. It's on something that we believe in. And that's it. It doesn't make us about us. Have I given you this example before? Do you watch Yellowstone? Yes. Rip and, and what's her name? Um, yeah, I know. I'm yeah. Blanking. Two of the most dysfunctional people I know, they had this disagreement at the corral gate at one yes. time over the kid. And they had, you know, Rip was telling her something and she didn't agree with it. And she goes, I love you and I'll see you tonight, but fuck you. And she walked away <laughs> and they both started laughing because they knew they had a disagreement, but it was safe. It was, yes. just, it was a great relationship moment. Right. Because it does, because they knew they had, they had the security yeah. that it doesn't end. It yeah. doesn't just stop. Right. Right, that but, was not personal. We disagree on this thing. It's not personal. It's not threatening our relationship. It's just we disagree. And so here's oh, such a great point. And, yeah. you know, even if you didn't see the show, you know, the point there is that that's where the emotional toxicity comes in when it's not healthy. Two of the most toxic people. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> characters know, right? I've ever seen. But they, <laughs> but, yeah. but the, um, but the insecurities in people is what is their demise because people get emotionally annihilated with a disagreement. They get and and they use a disagreement to emotionally annihilate you in order to yes. protect themselves. I will attack you. I will go at you full fervor with all my guns blazing because I'm protecting myself so hard yep. and it will make me feel good. But in the meantime, I'm going to destroy you. Scorched and in the meantime, earth. they're yeah. feeling better. But at the end, they're not because they've done yeah. tremendous damage where the other person like, right, mm -hmm. is like, I'm out. It's a scorched earth policy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm done. Like oh, that is crazy. Yeah. It's too much. It's over the top. It's unhealthy. I can't engage. And you see this with um, parent child relationships. You see that it's just, yeah. you know, um, when there's entitlement in the child and the parent doesn't have any empowerment in the child, you know, you see this in the indulgent permissive parenting styles where there hasn't been, you know, the child's allowed or the teenager's allowed to say and do and be whoever they want to be yeah. and can say whatever they want and override the, sanctity of respecting boundaries and understand like that's where it starts it really starts in childhood of teaching that you can have calm conversations you can have disagreements you can you know read things correctly you know setting the stage but this is what creates adults yeah. that have this fractured ego where they cannot manage being called on their stuff right or even someone just saying that's not true yep. or that's not the way it is because the person's already so flayed open emotionally that they just have to attack. Yep. And so those are people you just can't have in your, in your, 
in your, in your sandbox. And unfortunately, sometimes you lose a group of people because of that in your yeah. life because of one. Um, and you have to be okay with that. And that's one of the things that's come up for people in the past couple of weeks since Michelle and I have talked is that people realize that it's not just one. It could be, well, if it's one, you, you, you might lose a whole family of people or you might lose mm -hmm. a whole group of coworkers or you might lose a whole little teenage set of click because you have to be like, it's off of me. It's too heavy. It's a lot of burden to carry to always be engaging with someone who's going to annihilate you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is we talked. We talked. I know we talked about narcissism, and with toxic people, this is a similar situation where you gravitate towards toxic people through a you you attract them. Yes, your your behavior and the way you interact in these situations can often attract toxic people. Not in just in relationships, but just throughout your life in general. Well, usually, usually if, so usually if you have narcissistic personality disorder people come towards you, you've usually had them in your life growing up yourself. Yep. And if you yourself are not that way, which usually there's two usually don't get together. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> too much in the room. So, yep. so when that's drawn and you're drawn, it's because you as a person, so we'll, we'll use me, yep. right? I'm a helper. I'm a nurturer. I'm going to draw those people to me. Yeah. It's, it, you know, in general, both professionally because it's self-selected to come to me, but it's also going to come to me because people who are unhealthy and toxic and narcissistic and damaged in their ego and broken in that way, fractured, we don't say broken, go towards people that they think can help them. But that's when it turns into help rejecting, complaining, right? Yeah. It's, I'm going to ask you for help. Then I'm not going to do what you say. Then I'm going to complain about it, bitch about it, talk trash about you. Yeah come back and say it didn't work and then still ask you for help and expect that you're going to stand up and give me help. And that's, it's like, yep. and so in both professional and in personal, I'm like, that's because not how this works. The term in narcissism is supply. Is what? Supply. Yes. You're a supply. Yeah. I'm the supplier. And, the, and, this, and not just narcissism. Well, I think you, toxic you, people you, need it, supply too. Well, because if you're participating and you don't back it down and end it or put a huge boundary around it, all you do is keep filling up their cup. So yeah. they keep coming back to the well to fill it up. And that's a common problem with people in relationships mm -hmm. is that they don't realize. And here, well, I had this conversation yesterday with a client about it's that, but it's your mother, it's your father, it's your sister, it's your niece, it's your uncle, it's your brother. It's it, just because someone has a title to you mm -hmm. and it's family that does not mean you're obligated to have to do anything because if it's that toxic or that's it's that unhealthy that makes you not feel good, then you back away right. and it's okay to do that. Titles in parenting and that kind of, they have to be earned. And parents, I, I have this happen occasionally, not as much as it happened. It used to happen, but parents will say things to their kids like, you know, you have to respect me. Yeah. No, you, right. yeah, it would be nice to have them respect you. But you have to set an environment where they will respect you. And it's not out of fear. It's not out of um, indulging and permitting any old behavior. Like if you're if you're breeding your children into breeding, if you're setting a stage for um, indulgence and permissiveness, because it's too, it's easier than dealing with discipline, you're going to have this problem. Yep. If you're setting the stage for um do as I say, not as I do, and being very authoritative, you're setting the stage for the same problem, right? So you've got you've got kids that grow up and become these 
personality disordered, characterologically disordered, we'll say, because it's not always full-blown disorder, of so much ego damage, the, the fractures to the soul, you know, the, you're so stupid, you're never going to be anybody, all those things. Um, or the, yes, I want to be your friend, so go and do anything you want. It's okay, because I'd rather not fight with you. Yep. What that does is it teaches someone to keep coming back to the well of people who will continue to feed that soul. And you have to cut off the supply. So that word supply is such a great word for this. Is yeah. like, if you keep supplying, they'll keep coming. And then when you cut off the supply, they'll find other people. That second generation of parent to child is so critical too, because young children are supply mm -hmm. for people who desperately need it. But right. as the child evolves and the relationship evolves, you keep trying to preserve that that initial where the child worships the mother or the father, right? It, well, and that's where there's a great book out there um, that discusses that with like, um, it's, I'm trying to remember what the name of it. This always happens to me when I'm, it's right there too. It's, um, oh, it's called Silent Seduction. So there's bits and pieces, like it gets in, there's two books out there by the same author, but Silent Seduction, it gets into a lot of stuff about sexual abuse and things like that with parents. But on the surface, in the general, the gist of it, it is about that enmeshment of utilizing your kid as your as like a spouse yeah. and over utilizing them because you're you need that either you know you've either you're not getting it from your spouse so you use your kid to get that mm -hmm. um you alienate the spouse that you do have to get what because you want the enmeshment with the child that's now a teenager and right. now an adult which you see i see several clients that i have are very enmeshed in their 40s with their parents still um they never broke away you know the codependency so to speak yeah. um you know you have those particular issues but that book silent seduction is is such a good book around just understanding the toxicity of the need of of an adult who's damaged and then has additional damages and traumas that then wants to keep their child close so that they always have them so that it fills that need it's another type of yep. toxicity that's so so sad um and utilizing them as a go-to for that it's difficult even under the best of circumstances that separation point between parent and child and it happens in the teenage years and then obviously it happens in the college experience and in post-college that's tough for parents even in the best relationships right someone who needs that supply from the child it's particularly tough for them Exactly, which is, you know, you see, and you see it a lot with kids who end up, not all, but you, I see it a lot with kids who end up, you know, they want to go to college and they don't go to college, but they go to college locally because the parent, there's something that happens there. Um, and it's not because of the yeah. grades or it's not, it's always something, but it will make it, but on the surface, it looks like, well, it makes, it saves money. It's, yeah. but in fact, underneath the surface, it's like, nope. It's serving a different purpose there. You I know? understand the strain I'm putting on her by leaving or him by leaving. Right. And so I can't do it. Exactly. Yeah. And and so to your to your point, I'm actually going to back it up a little bit because we actually developmentally go through um, separation individuation earlier than our teenage years. The prime time where we truly separate and individuate, yes, is around 13, 14. We, we go through that, that we start there. That's and it's different it's in gender normal. pairings, isn't it? It's what? It's different in gender pairings, daughters to fathers, daughters to mothers, sons yeah, to fathers. Yeah, I mean, sons gender to, differences yeah. are certainly there, but the the developmental period where it really exists to separate and individuate to figure out who I am as a person yep. really starts then, regardless of gender. But when we go back into like three, four, five, six, that whole time is 
kids are developmentally and incrementally individuating themselves and separating because they go through like, so in the beginning, zero to one, we have a lot of stuff going on, just building trust. Yep. Right. Just by basic needs being met. Then we have the, the next stage. We have like two to three, three and a half as we're going through like autonomy versus like, do I have self-doubt? Like I'm trying to like, I'm trying to, I want to feed myself and yeah. not have my parent do it. Or, I, you know, it's when the kids do mine and no, and yeah. I'll do. And, you know, they have those kinds of words, um, you know, now from three and a half to five or so or four, you've got now you've got initiative versus guilt. Like kids want to take initiative. So they're separating and individuating out to take their own initiative like that. I'm, I'm going to go play and pretend or I want to walk down the stairs by myself. And you'll see parents pick up the kid because it's more convenient for them to get down the stairs faster. Yep. You're taking the initiative away from the kid to be able to do that, which creates guilt that I'm not good enough to get down the stairs. And people are like, really? Yes. You're yeah. actually creating this environment of oh, well, that wasn't good enough, right? So by the time the kid's six, they've tried to separate and individuate to be who they are just at those ages. And that's when all those kinds of things are set in stone. So by the time you get to 13, when you do role, role identity of who am I, and that really starts to separate out truly from like, I'm not my parents, they are not me. That's when you have a lot of like that constriction of, of family life being like, if you don't have a solid, healthy parent, you're going to get a lot of over enmeshment, codependency. Yeah. Like we do everything together. It's not healthy to do everything together with your teenager. Yeah. It's not, or not even everything. You shouldn't be depending on your teenager to fill your time. Right. And you shouldn't be depending on your kids to teenager fill you. shouldn't be a best friend. Right. And, yeah. and that's, a, and that's, yeah. so silent seduction goes to that talking about that whole piece of like, this is not appropriate. Um, and, and I think that, um, I had a, I had an example many years ago when I was first in practice. Now this is going back 20 years because now the kid that I had was in college, went into college and is out. So yeah. that dates me. But the really quick story, the um, the woman who brought her in, the child, was about, the woman was getting divorced or they were in the process of divorce. And the child was six years old, roughly, right on the cusp of that, like individual, individual, like, initiating socially, starting to do that stuff. And long story short, they're getting divorced and the husband had cheated on the wife and this was the only child. So the mother came in and said, you know, my child's really stressed and anxious and all these things. And um, by the way, good story ending because we're still, we're still, I still work with the kid and mm -hmm. the mother and she's great and whatever. But immediately within the first couple of sessions, what I ended up realizing is one day the kid came in after the second or third session and said, I have a play date this weekend. Yay. So excited, you know, and this was in the, in the midst of the intense custody battle and all this stuff. And, um, and then the next session she came back and the first thing is like, Hey, I'll call her Stephanie. Stephanie, you, how was your play date? And was it fun? And she goes, Oh, I didn't go. I'm like, what happened? And this is quintessential to this problem is the, the child then very sheepishly shamed mm -hmm. and felt guilty said, well, I didn't go because I want, I didn't want to leave my mom alone. Yes. I said, Oh my gosh, you don't have, you know, you don't have to do that. You know, your mom's okay. And she goes, well, mom said that if I left her and went and had the play date, that it would be like when daddy left her. Oh God. And, right. Yeah. Well, this is Verbalize that. Right. Um, and not just implicated that, verbalized that. Verbalized. And, yeah. that, and by the way, this is not unusual. You should hear the stuff I hear. Yes. And said, you know, this is, you know, if you if you go, it's like when daddy left me. But if you stay, I'll take you and get ice cream and we'll go to the movies and all this stuff. And so the little girl 
gave up her separation and individuation yeah. to take care of her mother's narcissistic need that was damaged by her dad. Who So yep. that very innocuous looking thing that had I not prompted, I would never have known. And so immediately I, that's not I innocuous at all. Mom. What? I don't, I don't, that's not innocuous at all. That's, no, but, that's... but it would have been innocuous because no one would ever know right. other than she just didn't go to the play date. Right. Yeah. So of course, me being the doctor that I am, I went out to the lobby and said, Hey, can we talk? <laughs> and she knew she was like, Oh, I'm in trouble. And I'm like, no, you're not in trouble. And I came in and I had the little girl go out and I said, we have to talk about this. This is really unhealthy and damaging. And this is what it sets yeah. up for. And, and, to my knowledge, like that never happened again. It's it corrected quickly because I yeah. was like, it's super damaging. You cannot say those things to her. Well, that's a traumatic period. She was weakened. It could have happened. It could have been. I mean, sure, but to yeah, put on yeah. to put on your kid, right? Yeah. That, that you know, if you leave me, it's just like daddy. And this kid knew way too much. Like she knew that the dad had cheated. Like it was bad. Yeah. yeah. And so again, boundary crosses and and indulging the child, wanting the child to be your friend. Now. That's at six. Imagine, you know, a 14, 15 year old kid mm -hmm. who's now having to take care of a mom or a dad that is in need and fill their ego up. And that goes into the 40 year old that I work with that has the same issue going on with his mom that gets in the way of his marriage right now because the mom is constantly doing that but it's been going on since the teenage years and now the wife is like what is going on here your mother is constantly in yeah. our relationship so so in that way it's toxic in so many ways and that's a sandbox it's hard to clear because you got a very tight relationship ask, that's unhealthy let me ask only son two no the other son lives all the way across the country oh, I for see. a reason okay. all right yeah right <laughs> yeah, smart yeah and we yeah. talk about that. We talk about there's a reason why brother went across the country, but he's never identified that that's why it is. He only comes once or twice every couple of years to see her. He may not have self-identified that's the way it is, why it is, but but it's, he got right, there. it's clear to me. It's, it's a factor, right. sure. So so there's lots of different examples that you can think about. And not every relationship, certainly, you know, when we talk about this stuff, I talk about it because I'm highlighting things that are really out there. <coughs> and it may touch on somebody's heartstrings of saying like, oh, wow, I do have that. And you feel guilty. Like, I just can't let go of that relationship because I don't want to hurt their feelings or whatever. But sometimes at the end of the day, you have to preserve your sanity. And if you're getting, if you come away feeling like I got to not be around that person or people, um, you know, and yep. I've told you before that I have many clients who have had to say like, I'm out on some family members. I personally have to be like, if I spend time with certain family members, it takes me weeks, not anymore. It used to take me. Now it's like, whatever, because I'm totally different. But back in my 30s, it would take me weeks to recover from an overnight at said family's house with yeah. a bunch of people. I'd be like, this is insane because it would drain yeah. me because I'd always have to be it was like, I always had to have the boundary up and be like, this is unhealthy. This is unhealthy. This is unhealthy and not and bite my tongue. Let me, let me ask you about that aspect of it yeah. though, because with every problem, we talk about relationships, interpersonal relationships, even your own issues, you have to take your own part in them. Right. So how do you identify between, okay, for example, me personally, I'm very conscious of my mental energy and I like times of peace. I go through the day, want to go home, have peace, set right. it down. That's part of me. I may be a little strong on that. So just because someone doesn't share those same types of values with me, how do I know whether it's toxic or whether I, how much of it is my part? You know, 
in other words, people are different. People approach life different ways. Right. Well, it's, it, so yes, but if you're, if, so if you want to go home and have peace and you're living with someone, I'm not saying you are, but if you're living with someone that's making you feel like you want to run yeah. or making you feel not peaceful. And I'm not talking, everybody has their tumultuous stuff, but I'm talking about like consistently yeah. and not feeling good and all those things. That's where you have to say, this is not my sandbox. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be right or wrong. It's just incompatible. It does. So there's no, there, if you're feeling that way, regardless of whether or not someone else is saying, well, that's not right to feel that or so you can't take away someone else's experience no but it's, we're labeling someone as toxic it might just to be incompatibility is more well, than right fault. so if yeah. you're if you're in right so incompatibility with you right it, so two things it could be incompatibility in a relationship like that mm -hmm. my experience anecdotally is going to be that it's not necessarily incompatibility in these situations it makes it incompatible because the other person's so unhealthy yeah if you're healthier than the other person that doesn't mean you're not compatible but when it gets to a point where you're healthy and the other person's so unhealthy that you start feeling unhealthy that's a problem and that's in anything right yeah so if, if you're whether it's you know your husband wife sister brother other right it's it's about if you're trying if you're struggling having the cognitive thought process i am healthy I know this was crazy. I know this isn't right. It, all these things. And you have to constantly keep doing that while the other person keeps yeah. being like, or they go through the honeymoon periods over and over again. And there's looping or, oh, I'm so sorry. I love you. Like, it, no, but a, my, I guess my point is, what if that isn't the thought you have that I'm right? I'm in a good place. I, I If you're thinking I might be oversensitive to this. you ha But that's what you have to do. So yeah. you have to, it's, it's, so I'm giving the generalized pieces, yeah. but if you, you have to go inward, and say, and and if you have a good confidant friend, you have to self-assess, right? You have to self-assess. Yeah. You have to go inward and really look at it. And also, if you have a good friend who's not going to just blow smoke up your butt <laughs> and say, hey, from an outsider's perspective, I really need you to be honest. Like, I'm fortunate to have a couple, like, great friends that are like, mm-mm. You yeah. know, I'll be like, hey, what do you think? You know, um, they, you know, they're like... Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm doing a lot of, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> right. So, but so I, well, I can say, I, I can say that I have a, like a great friend in Florida that like has got great self observance with herself and me. Mm -hmm. And we are very compatible around our thought process. And she sees what I see and I see what she sees kind of thing. Yeah. And we always just do a check and balance. And so if I say, hmm, here's the scenario. She'll be like, hey, she'll always say, here's a different perspective. Like, so she plays the, you know, and then usually we still come to the same thing of like, yeah. sandbox needs to be emptied. <laughs> but the perspective of the really toxic person will be that the other person is toxic. So you have to, you have to self-assess. You have to yeah. understand. Yeah, and, and, and that other person might think that you're toxic. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, absolutely. Right, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. And that would be even more case of being like, wow, we both think each other is toxic. So we definitely have to empty the same box. <laughs> yeah. And you have to be okay with that. So like strong egos are able to look at that. Strong egos not being, you know, nar narcissism is a weak ego, compromised ego. Strong ego is someone who can be like, 
you don't get along with me because there's toxicity between us and we are not compatible, right? Because there's we're yep. both unhealthy together. Yeah. So if you can recognize that and you both can, then you're out. But that's rare. Hmm. It's usually the one person goes, oh, my God, this is so unhealthy. I'm out. Yeah. Right. Self-preservation. <laughs> right. Hopefully. Oh, yeah. So anyway, so hopefully it helps people in identifying it, have self-awareness and also you don't have to leave a relationship. So here's a people I was like, do I have to leave the relationship? No, but you have to self-assess. Self-assess and figure out how much is it draining you? How much mental capacity is it taking away from you and your other life pieces? Um, so that you can say, what do I need to do here? And then that's where the empowerment comes in of like allowing yourself and giving yourself permission to say, I can't be around this yeah. or I'm going to be around it, but this is what I'm going to do to be around it and try. And you have to, you know, you have to play those things out because you have to do that for yourself. And it's hard. Yeah. yeah. All things are hard. Too easy. Anybody could do it. That's right. And yeah. all things are hard. People say, well, I don't want to. That's too hard. Okay. But all things are hard. Being in a situation that's terrible is hard. Yeah. Taking your stand that I don't want to be treated terribly um, although I might love you, I'm going to love you from afar. Yep. Choose your heart. Right. Yeah, exactly. So hard lessons today, mm -hmm. right? Around the sandbox. Apparently John so, had and, a hard lesson speaking, on, huh? apparently John had a hard lesson on Canon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Poor John coming, rolling down the mountain. Um, if so, as, as a matter of, of thought of, of sandboxes, my newsletter, if, it, if you haven't signed up for my newsletter, it comes out monthly. Mm -hmm. It's about to roll out this month. It does have a whole bunch of tips about this topic today, and it has reading and other things that uh, you can read and view and share and do all that. Please certainly email or, or put comment here to get on my email list to get my newsletter. Um, and certainly I can have Lou post up my newsletter. Um, but it's been going out for the past uh, two years since at least we started the podcast. But mm -hmm. um, it's a good highlight reel of this, but also talks in more detail about some of these topics. Um, and also share some of the podcasts that I've done in the past that are recent. So um, if you don't have any clue what I'm talking about, about a sandbox, <laughs> it will say hashtag sandboxes matter in yes. the new newsletter because they do. And, um, and that's what it's referencing. So it's the month of, you know, cleaning your sandbox. Cleaning your sandbox. Right. Um, so next week I will see you guys. We are coming to the close of our July. Um, it's so crazy. People mm. are like, summer's over. No, it's not. So, <laughs> um, but we will have a hopefully great show next week. I will have a great show next week, but we may have a guest. I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to build her confidence to come on next week. So I won't even Another say. Another one who's afraid to come on? Well, you know, I have, I've asked multiple people, but they, they want prep. It's so easy. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. just come chat I, that's that's all i say yeah so um i even have people that that don't do any of this kind of stuff for a living that just say i want to come chat <laughs> <laughs> I'm like well it has to kind of be relevant to health and wellness but you know nonetheless but um anyway so you guys all have a fantastic week pray for my uh uh <laughs> hiking adventures this weekend that yep. no one falls down a mountain yep. john doesn't fall off the mountain no <laughs> more of that. i have my keys and water and money on me when and if he does. That's what happens when you take a Navy guy to the mountains. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, you guys have a great week and I will see you later.